Hi, it's Tim Hagen from Progress Coaching, and welcome to another episode for the Coaching Conversations podcast. Now, we are on Stitcher, we are on iTunes, and multiple different channels. Please check us out. Now, one of the things that you'll get out of our podcast episodes is a lot of content, a lot of strategy. It's not fluff, it's not concept. Yet we really want you to engage with the content and let us know your feedback. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. During this episode, we're going to actually give you an example podcast episode, which is really part of our new subscription. What this is going to allow you to do is download a handout that follows along with the actual audio and gives you some additional resources. We are launching this subscription to give you a taste of what uh, a podcast episode can do from a training, learning, coaching perspective. So check this out. Look at the handout link at in the body of the uh, description of the podcast. You can download that PDF file, file and then actually follow along with the actual audio. When coaching to emotional intelligence, we have to be very conscientious of what is emotional intelligence before we start coaching to it. Now, there are many tools out there, many different assessments that we use at Progress Coaching, and one that we use is from Multi-Health Systems, the EQI 2.0 assessment. We also teach emotional intelligence in five basic components as well. So when you look at the MHS assessment, they measure in five composites from decision-making, stress management, self-perception, self-expression, and interpersonal. Now, the subsets, there are 15 sub-composites, three of which enter each one of those categories. So as we go forward and we think about emotional intelligence, let's think about it fundamentally from self-awareness, empathy, motivation, self-regulation, and social skills. So when we're using the EQI 2.0 assessment, we measure in 15 different composites. Again, decision-making, stress management, self-perception, self-expression, and interpersonal, which are the five main top-level composites with three categories in each one of those composites for 15 total. Now, a high score does not necessarily mean a great score. It's good that you have high emotional intelligence in a particular area, yet it's important to point out that if you have a low score, that does not mean it's a bad score. So when you think about emotional intelligence, the studies are out there. The impact on leadership is tremendous. When you look at some of the studies out there by Hunter Schmidt and Judesh, the data is overwhelming of how impactful emotional intelligence is when it comes to leadership. One of the foremost leaders in emotional intelligence, Dr. Travis Bradbury, talks about that 90% of top performers have a higher EQ, a higher emotional intelligence. He also estimates that emotional intelligence accounts for about 58% of your job performance. The emotional intelligence statistics that are out there lead us to believe that a person with a higher degree, someone who practices emotional intelligence improvement, will become a better leader. Now, with that being said, one of the great examples we love to bring up is Apple Computer. When you think about Steve Jobs versus Tim Cook, and Tim Cook took over for Steve Jobs after he stepped down and then ultimately, sadly, passed away, 
You know, everyone talks about Steve Jobs being this genius, and he was. Yet he would be the first one to admit his first tenure as CEO of Apple. He didn't treat people as well as he could have as he did in his second tenure. Now, when you ask Tim Cook, what's the key to leadership? He constantly brings up empathy. So when you think about empathy, understanding how someone's feeling, understanding the impact on them emotionally, he constantly cites the value of empathy. Now, Tim Cook may never be the technology genius of a Steve Jobs, yet during his tenure, Apple's stock has outperformed the tenure of Steve Jobs by seven times. Think about that. Now, when we think about how do we apply coaching, think about the people that you're coaching. And let's say you have someone who's lacking self-awareness and you want to coach to self-awareness. Think about that person's strengths. Think about that person's strengths. Think about the language you're going to use to approach that person. So I go up to somebody and I say, John, you know, here are the three areas I love working with you. You have great product knowledge. You um, really go above and beyond the call of duty and you're very detail-oriented. And I think about your goal of becoming a future leader and really allowing your peers to, maybe on a higher cadence, provide you insight where they could work with you more effectively. If that became one of your strengths, how do you think that might help you achieve your goal for future leadership? Now, what I just demonstrated was starting off with someone's strengths. The Gallup organization reports, people will engage eight times more when we lead with their strengths. Notice I use the word and and not but, such as, John, you're doing a great job here, here, and here, but when we lead with language such as opportunities to improve, a higher cadence of receiving feedback, it's different than the words constructive feedback. I think one of the great authors when it comes to, I think the two main areas of emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness and self-regulation, Self-awareness is the ability to look at yourself. Self-regulation is the ability to pull back, not be interruptive and disruptive. Tasha Yurik, a New York Times bestselling author, PhD in industrial psychology, reported in her study 95% of the people, 95% said they were highly self-aware. When she tested them, she found out only 10% were. That means if you have a team of 10 people, 8.5, are significantly lacking self-awareness. So what is self-awareness? It's the ability to look in the mirror and be really honest with yourself. It's hard. It's tough. I can save you the suspense. Some of your people don't even own mirrors. So how do we drive? Self-awareness. How do we drive self-regulation? Now, we often in the coaching space get the objection of, I don't have time to coach. Yet, what they'll gravitate to when they don't have time is telling people what to do. So think about going up to someone and saying, Julie, you know, you really lack self-awareness and you're really interruptive and disruptive. Do we honestly think that employee in that moment is going to say, you know what? I think you're right. I've been awful. No, they're going to get defensive. See, sadly, I think people dismiss insight and feedback based on one primary premise, agreement or disagreement. Most people don't agree with feedback, so they dismiss it. 
So self-awareness is the ability to see yourself clearly and objectively through reflection and introspection, as well as how one's behaviors affect others. If more people did that, it opens up the door to what? Learning, training, mentoring, feedback, constructive feedback, strength-based feedback. Now, self-regulation is the ability to control or redirect disruptive impulses and moods and the propensity to suspend judgment and think before acting. Let me share a quick story with you. We had one of our clients where somebody was walking down the hall and the person really seemed lackluster. It was really contrary to what they normally demonstrate in the workspace. And somebody in the meeting said, yeah, you know, that guy just, he just has lost his motivation. It's like he doesn't care anymore. And so what we did is we sat down and I said, well, wait a minute. How do you know that? Well, look at the way he walks. Do we honestly know what's going on inside someone's head because of the way they walk? So we sat down with him and we asked him, you know, what's going on? And I sat with him alone. He said, yeah, it's just been, it's been a tough week, my My mom's got cancer and um, she's in hospice. So it's so funny how quick we were, or some of the people in the meeting were quick to say, he's lacking motivation. He just doesn't care. Boy, do we label and judge quickly, don't we? So how can you drive? We can certainly drive self-awareness through feedback. My advice is do not use the word feedback. Use word like insight. Would you mind if I shared a perspective? Would you mind if I shared an opportunity? Would you mind if I shared two insights where I think um, uh, some actions that you could take would really lead you to and then fill in the blank with what motivates them? Think about facilitating experiences. Have people observe others and journal the positive things they do. We have to find creative ways to fuel people's minds. Now, we can also use videos. Let me tell you a really quick story. We actually showed a video in one of our training sessions, and one of my clients did something that I'll never forget. He played a video that I had actually showed, and he actually had two departments at odds with one another. And what he did was really brilliant, quite frankly. He played this video of a young boy who was a senior, had Down syndrome. His name is Money Robert. That was his nickname. And they put him in the game. He was the manager of the team. And he scored the last hoop, a three-point shot. His team and crowd didn't take him off the court or carry him off the court. Both teams and both crowds did. And he played this video during the pandemic, looked at both departments and said, do we really have it that bad while we're all really busy working during this pandemic? Got up and walked out of the room. Now, I'm not suggesting he should have done that. What I'm suggesting is the video provided perspective. It helped people gain perspective, a foundational principle of self-awareness. Now, when you provide feedback, experiences, have people journal, watch videos, read books, here are three great questions you can ask. What did you learn? What did you learn about yourself you are positively committed to improving? What positive steps will you take going forward based on what you learned? Those are three of the major self-awareness questions we encourage you to ask. So again, coming back to the EQI 2.0 assessment, that if you want to have that assessment done, get an assessment practitioner. We are certainly certified. You can certainly find some other people as well. 
that anybody who scores below 90, you're in about 25% of the population, 90 to 110, 50% of the population, and 110 or above, you're in 25% of the population. I will also provide a link to my assessment as well that'll give you context to what those results look like. Now, we've shared some stories, and one of the great stories I love to share is the CEO who had a high score in problem solving but was very low in impulse control, a tenant of self-regulation and empathy. He scored very low in both those areas and was very high in problem solving. Yet the challenge he was having in his organization was trust. So after spending some time with this person, I quickly realized, very trustworthy, high integrity, very noble, and then it hit me. And this is where coaching comes in, everybody. I asked him, I said, if I were following you down the hall, what would I see when you walk into the office? He said, what are you talking about? I said, what would I see? What would you be doing? He said, well, I stop in people's cubicles. I say hi to everybody as much as I can. I said, do you ever stop by and help people out and solve problems? He said, oh yeah, every day, why? And it hit me. His leaders probably felt like he didn't trust them. His intentions wasn't to break trust. His intention was to be helpful, to leverage his high score of problem solving. Yet when you're a, for lack of better description, a bull in a china shop, lacking impulse control and empathy, guess what happened? The leaders below him started to realize, hey, you know what? He doesn't trust me to do it. He's doing it for me. That was never his intention. It had nothing to do with trust, yet it created that experience. Why do I share this story? All of these situations, all of these scores have interdependencies. So let me give you another one. We had someone with a very, very high score in stress management composite, the three scores. He actually had a score of 129. Now, the perception of him was that he wasn't caring. He didn't care about his job. And the foundation of that perception was he didn't get riled up like everybody else. He didn't freak out when all the calls started coming in. So when I sat down with him, I asked him, I said, so you have a very high stress score. You know, where does that come from? He said, oh, probably the military. I said, oh, that's interesting. What did you do? I want you to really hear this. He said, I detonated bombs in the Middle East for over 10 to 12 years. And I sat there stunned. And I, as I composed myself, I looked back at him. I said, so a tech support question on equipment. He said, not stressful. I've lived stress. He cared. He just didn't exhibit the behaviors other people assumed he should. So he got labeled. See, emotional intelligence allows us to understand one another and ourselves. So if you get a test score done, think about your top two scores. Think about maybe your two low scores that you want to invest in. Think about the actions you can take to support and drive those scores. The idea behind emotional intelligence is to become intelligent and take action on those areas that you want to leverage. Let me share a little bit about myself. One of my low scores is empathy. I am constantly trying to find ways, actions to exhibit empathy. I don't think I'm an overly empathetic person. And so the last two years at our company, we've allowed our employees almost the whole month of December off with pay. So they could have a break, give them a mental health break, use the holidays to invest in themselves, focus on their family, and people come back charged. So again, emotional intelligence is about becoming intelligent about your emotions. 
If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at any time. We'd be happy to help you. Or if you want to see a copy of one of these assessment results besides mine, let me know. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Conversations by Tim Hagen and Progress Coaching. Now, our company is always coming out with new and innovative solutions to help leaders coach their employees. And recently, we just created a new service called coach to you where leaders can pick and choose topics and assign 7 to 21-day programs for employees to learn and, more importantly, apply actions and then reflect and share what they're going to do going forward as a result of the learning. It's called Coach to You. We're literally bringing coaching to your employees. If you're intrigued, we'll have a link in each one of our episodes where you can get more information. And again, thank you so much for listening to another episode.